CJ, you know, I got to be honest with you. Talking to you already has me in a better mood than I've been all day. Oh, fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I was in a bullshit mood. I was like, I don't know if I'm in the place. I don't know if I'm in the place today. Yeah. He's like, you had your two-hour anxiety nap. You, that, that, that time has passed. It's time. For those of you that are joining us for the first time, welcome to Icon or Wycon, the show where we break down our favorite film universes to see which stand the test of time. We are here. We are in the very middle of our second Star Wars trilogy. I am Andrew David Sotomayor, and this is the C-3PO to my R2-D2, Mr. CJ LaRoche. Hello, Andrew. How are you? I am 3PO, uh, and I have gotten more coverings for this one. Somebody dressed me. Fantastic. I'm still trying to figure out how your relevance to the narrative ties in at all, but here we are. Well, you know, it's very important that someone put, decided that they were going to take me, put clothes on me, and then, and, and then I got taken again. Then I got stolen twice in this movie. So here I am. And I'm not as funny as I usually am in this one. So, But what is this one? What am I talking about? You are talking about episode two. Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones. That's right. And who are the clones? We don't know. We're going to find out. We're going to find out. Um, also, we're going to wait two hours for them to not attack. No, there's not going to be much attacking in the beginning. It's going to be an attack on your senses, mm-hmm. uh, and an attack on your childhood, and an attack on a lot of things before sanity. you get to the... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, an attack on your eardrums. It is a loud film. You get attacked a lot, uh, an attack on your intestines, because there are times where you feel sick. You, you literally feel sick when you're watching this movie. So uh, let's dive in. Yeah. Uh, this one was rough for me, man. I got to be real. Whew. Tell me. Yeah, it took me, um, it took me five days to get through this one this time. The, a movie that I paid $13, $14 for like eight times to go see in the theaters. And I'm still, I, I think besides how hot Natalie Portman is in this film. I think it was just, I just really missed Star Wars. There were a lot of things. There were a lot of beautiful things. There were a lot of interesting things. And I feel like just as things were starting to coalesce into a narrative structure I could really latch onto and connect to uh, my relationship with the previous films, it was over. Right. It was, uh, to quote the bard, uh, full of sound and fury signifying nothing. Indeed, indeed. So, yeah. like, here's some stats. It's, it's 10 years after the last film, right? It wasn't produced 10 years after. They, they kind of filmed them relatively consecutively. Sure. But uh, it takes place 10 years. We have recast Anakin with Hayden Christensen. Yeah, Anakin Skywalker is now played by Han- Hayden Christensen. Padme Amidala is still played by Natalie Portman, uh, and they are now the same age. Yeah, and so that doesn't make sense right off the bat. No, it's weird. It's, it's weird also because what he didn't do is stop giving a maternal relationship to their connection. Yeah, you'll always be that little boy I knew on Tatooine. Also, she's a senator now. She's no longer queen. So clearly, uh, the queen is not uh, as we know it in the real world. Uh, queen is like just an elected official. Uh, and she's no longer queen. She's now a senator. Uh, and I, I do got to say, I do got to give George props right away, though, um, after the title crawl, which talks about um, 
the Electoral College, maybe. I don't know. It's talking about the Senate. There's a lot of politics. It's not really Star Wars. But we pan up. The scroll goes, the camera pans up. So that's uh, that's interesting. And that's what worked for me. So there's my ephemeral question. I, this episode is concluded. Thank you. Oh, wow. I mean, like, <laughs> you know what I was thinking when you were describing a camera tilt? I was like, if this is the bar. This is the bar, man. This is the bar. And that's, that's where I'm at. You know, that's where I'm at. Because right, right away, there's, there's an assassination attempt and someone dies and he says, come on, Senator. And I'm like, Senator? What the hell's talking? What, what you talking about, Senator? It's Queen Amidala. She's a Senator now. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Also, because Senators have decoys. She's still doing the decoy thing. She's got a decoy. She's that important. Yeah. Like, famously not Kira Knightley in this one. Not Kira Knightley, uh, some random woman. And then there's, there's Rose Byrne. Who shows up in this film and is she sure does in her yeah. three scenes uh yeah but no we uh there's there's uh there's a lot to talk about and, and not really much like you said um because what like you said once this thing gets going then then it's over and this and i'm gonna go back to the phantom menace and attack of the clones it should be one movie yeah you you can get done everything you needed to get done in one movie yeah but what's really fascinating is that in the first 10 minutes there is zero connection to where phantom menace ended it's almost like it's a whole new plot yeah it's the emperor palpatine had to like scrap everything he was doing and now he's now he's got like a new idea yeah and it it almost feels like that's what that's what george is doing it's really strange uh a lot of act one is dedicated to this weird space noir cops thing between anakin and obi-wan and totally. like, I mean, right down to like the seedy bar that he walks into with like the femme fatale assassin. Like, it's, oh, it's crazy. And also like he undresses his characters, right? There's Anthony Daniels and Ahmad Best are in this bar. Yeah. Okay. There's, there's cameos. The woman in red and the mouse from the Matrix are in this bar. Yeah. And the only reason that we go to this bar, Andrew, is so that he can recreate Obi-Wan cutting off a limb. That's the only reason we're there. Yeah. You know? Yeah, there's it's such a weird tone. It's so strange. Anakin's accent is weird, CJ. Anakin needed some direction. Now, here's the thing. So you gotta you gotta imagine that in 1977 through 1983, when George Lucas is working with Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, and Carrie Fisher, uh-huh. those actors are not gonna are not gonna get a script and say, Oh, this is great. I'm just gonna perform this. Yeah. You know they were talking to George. You know they were saying, makes sense. That doesn't sound natural. Could I say this? I think my character would do this. I think the problem with Hayden is he was just so freaking excited to be doing a Star Wars movie. Natalie Portman, too. There's no way that those actors, who are good actors, like Hayden Christensen is not a bad actor. Play that back. Hayden Christensen is not a bad actor. They, were given, take. A, they were given a bullshit script. Okay? Do, you know what's, do you know what's funny? Uh, I was watching it with Bartsky, and that was one thing. When he throws his first tantrum that comes out of the blue and then gets really creepy with Padme, like right. that whole first sequence, um, I leaned over to Bart. And that's early in the movie. It's 20 minutes in, like yeah. Yeah. not far in. And I leaned over to Bart, and I was like, I'm just not sure if he's a bad actor or if he's been given nothing to work with. Nothing because, to work with. Because there's stories from the original trilogy of uh, apparently – Carrie Fisher was very upset that she was not included in the conversation of why Harrison Ford would say, I know when she said, I love you. 
Right. That and like, like that, that, that was that a thing like for her. Actor. And they're like, oh, well, we wanted, we wanted to get your, your surprise. And she was like, yeah, but you have to include me in that conversation. Like it's, if I know that that's where we're going, I'm going to give you something different. I'm going to give you something different. Exactly. And I, and I go back to the end of Return of the Jedi mm. when, when George filmed Hayden Christensen as the Anakin Force ghost. He didn't know what was coming. Yeah. So that's why he was flirting with his son. It's so weird. On. Yeah, no, the dialogue is bad. The, the, the structure of, the, of the, the storyline and the narrative is bad. Yeah. Because when Obi-Wan and Anakin are, are going up that elevator – Right, right in the beginning, and you see that you you've got two people, and those two people clearly know that they have spent the last ten years together. Mm-hmm. So you know that those actors have done their homework. Then they start talking about falling in the the pit of the Gundarks and and relax, and I haven't seen her in ten years, right? So you know that like there's something there that those two actors have everything going on, and then they sit down, mm-hmm. and Anakin is being a little bitch, and Obi Wan is like clearly out of his league. He's not a great. He's not a great mentor to Anakin. He didn't want to take Anakin on. So, so, there, so there's that, right? And then when Anakin starts freaking out later in the film, when, he, when the moment that you're talking about, when he's talking about he never listens, he's holding me back, yada, yada, yada. Like you said, it comes out of nowhere, and that's, that's a problem with the script. He wanted to do 11 movies, and he only had two hours to do it in. And it just doesn't make sense. The man is a visual filmmaker. The man is a visionary. The man is a legend. But he can't write dialogue to save his butt. No. I want to talk to you about something very important. Uh, This 50s space diner that Obi-Wan goes and investigates. I want to know how time and technology evolved to a place we're on Coruscant. There is a American 50s diner. Two-part question. Second question. Why does the alien... What is it? A line cook? I think he's the chef. I think the he chef. owns it. Dax, I think he owns that restaurant. That diner. Excuse me. Why is he uh, Mel from Happy Days? Like... <laughs> <laughs> what, how is that even possible that, that, that the, this futuristic society can embody this 50s American stereotype? Because George Lucas, he, he was off the rails. There was nobody to ring him in. There was nobody around him. Like I said last time, the producers needed, like if you're a producer and you are reading through episode two, Attack of the Clones, and you come to that scene, that's the first page that you tear out. That's the first one where you say, no, you have created this amazingly wonderful futuristic world that's in the past. It's not in the 1950s. This, is, this is, does not fit into your universe. And you would almost say your vision here is flawed. So we're going to fix it because I'm a producer and I'm going to help you. He just ran rampant. I, I feel like it. I feel like it. He doesn't get back to actually making Star Wars until halfway through Revenge of the Sith. That's a hard take. And when I watch Revenge of the Sith, I'm going to keep that in mind because, like, I, I'm not sure. Uh, this movie was actually worse than I remembered it. I remembered not liking it, and I liked it less now that I know more. If that makes sense. I loved it back in the day, and now it's like I don't know that I'll ever. I mean, I will watch it again when like the next Star Wars thing drops, just to yeah. get it in. But yeah, no, it's it's cringy, man. It's cringy for the dialogue. It's cringy for the for the arc. 
the characters have no arc. The characters have zero arc, zero agency. They don't do anything. The only person that affects anything in this movie with the decision that they make is Palpatine, who's pulling the strings, and Jar Jar fucking Binks. Well, and here's my thing. I'm glad you brought up Jar Jar Binks. Oh, I, you know what? I Actually, I'm going to say this. I want to model my career after Jar Jar because I don't know how he got from wandering in the woods to a Senate position yeah. in 10 years. Yeah, I mean... What kind of life trajectory is that? Yeah, it's, it's wild. He was about to get run over... And then Qui-Gon saved him and, and lifted him up. It's a true, it's a true rags to riches story. But it, it's it, so, doesn't make, it doesn't make any fucking sense. You know? no, it, and, and, like I, and I get it, man. I get what George was going for. I really do understand. If you look at the movie poster, it's Dr. Zhivago. So that's the love story that he's basing this thing on. If you look at the, the agreement, excuse me, the, the decision that Jar Jar made, it's the Munich agreement from the 30s in Germany. It, the assassination attempt in the beginning, it's the assassination of Archduke Francis Ferdinand, which started World War I. The creating of the conflict, making up a conflict, it's absolutely the burning of the Reichstag. He's talking about how democracy falls into fascism, something that we in this world right now should maybe be paying attention to. The idea is fantastic. The execution is miserable. It's bizarre. <laughs> it's it's bizarre and and what's strange is i actually really really do love the political aspect of it it's amazing and when it's you start a wonderful seeing idea the, the way they the way you see them manipulate jar jar is very very cool and the way how it all goes according to plan and how palpatine is like oh i will i will lay down this power as soon as it is no longer needed sure and this whole thing i i love that aspect of it it's just getting there was painful clunky also and, and, and but here, i'm sorry to interrupt you andrew i i understand that we need to know how luke and leia are birthed sure i understand that how long it takes to get there is is absolutely maddening and the fact that she fights and fights and fights and then finally gives up and gives in and, and tells him that she loves him when they're just about to die. So again, she hasn't really made a decision. She hasn't really grappled with anything. It's just because movie, we're gonna be we're gonna fall in love. What were you gonna say? All right. I will get back to that because I want to go down this love story with you. Right. This love story road. They don't like each other, they don't know each other. None of their interactions are positive, nor do they make sense. He throws strange tantrums. He's a bratty the kid. The sand monologue is one of the worst things I've ever heard. It's coarse. Also, why is he making words like that? Why is he saying the words the way that he does? Yeah. What, because what's, the director didn't tell him not to. It's when he kisses her, it comes out of nowhere. It's, it's awkward. It's super awkward super creepy and then we go to a weird space picnic that they have the picnic and he 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 and 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 i get it like we're gonna we're gonna sprinkle in like some vader in there right where he says well then these politicians should just make good decisions and she's like well what if they can't come to a decision well then they should be made to okay great thanks like he wants to just aggressive people into doing things yeah but yeah no it's it, it, it takes way too long it takes way too long. 
it's unbelievable and not like, you know, a kiss concert is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And also the line that really like sticks through my neck is when she says, I've been feeling this way ever since you came back into my life, ever since the nine-year-old came back into your life. No, no, he didn't come back into your life that he was a kid who you were essentially fucking babysitting. It's weird. And it's not well done. And it's, it's horribly constructed. And some of that dialogue, some oh, of those lines. Oh, it's, it's painful. It's really, really painful. Also, his mood swings are really painful. I don't know how it happens. The pear slicing sequence. We're eating vegetables with fucking silverware. Yeah. Uh, fruit with fit silverware. Come on. The, the, the rolling in the grass. It was, it was horrifying then. And it was really, really horrifying now. And it's and a it, waste of such a wonderful love theme by John Williams. The music is gorgeous. It's called Across the Stars. I've got it on my freaking Amazon. I, li- I listen to it once a day. It's beautiful. But it's, the thing that it accompanies is crap. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about some major plot issues with you. I'm ready. So they kind of will of the force me a lot in this one. And you know how I feel about will of the force. I do. I, yes. They, so, but I feel like they don't talk about the force enough. Well, they talk about the dark side. Right. And so here's my thing. The dark side has clouded their ability to see the future. Yes. But a case can be made that Sifo Diaz erasing Camino from the archive would happen before the dark side was clouding their mind. So you think that it was Sifo Diaz? That erased? Camino. I do. So interesting because there are other people that think it was Palpatine somehow. And then there's other people that think it was Dooku. And you know what the real problem with that is, Andrew? That's not in the movie? That it's even a fucking question. Yeah, yeah. It's Who did it? Who, yeah. but, but here's the thing. Who erased the planet, but then didn't really erase anything around the planet that would tell you that a planet's there? Yeah, all the data that's there is there, right? Okay, so now we have our space noir cop on the case. And then he can't figure out what that means. No. So he goes to Yoda and the younglings. Right, because how wonderful the mind of a child is. And they give him the answer. So he just goes there to investigate, which was what he was told to fucking do. Yep. Was to investigate. Okay, so then he goes and he finds, and the sequence looks beautiful. And I do want to say, we've been, we've been saying a lot of negative things about the movie. The movie looks spectacular and the score Maybe. is beautiful. Absolutely. Coruscant looks incredible. The speeder chase at the beginning is, with the assassin is incredible. Yeah. Um, There's also three TIE fighters chasing an X-Wing in that sequence. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so that's there. I digress. He goes to Camino. Yes. And sees this clone army. Right. And finds out that a clone army has been commissioned by a Jedi. Right. And just he just showed up and said, I'm a Jedi. And they told him everything without and they told him, for identification. Yeah. So is the answer to all of these events that the dark side has clouded their connection to the Force? Right, because 10 years ago, Sifo Diaz died. But 10 years ago, he also commissioned a clone army. 10 years ago, Senator Palpatine became Chancellor Palpatine. 
Later in the film, Count Dooku tells Obi-Wan that a Dark Lord of the Sith is controlling the Senate. He tells him that Palpatine is controlling the Senate. So, yeah, I think that you're right. I think that the, what they want us to think is that the dark side is making everybody all confused. But the problem is, is you're not confusing the viewer. Why is The Usual Suspects one of the top 10 movies of all time? Because you don't know who Kaiser Soze is. Because you don't know who fucking Kaiser Soze is. And at the end, it's an absolute kick in the balls when, you know, Chaz starts to put it all together for you on the screen. Now, I understand that we know the end at the beginning. But <laughs> you can't, you, you don't have to hit us over the head with it, George. Like, you can sprinkle in little nuggets that, like, even we would have, as an audience, would have a hard time piecing together. The fact that it's so easy for us to piece together makes it unbelievable again. There is genuinely zero mystery. Zero mystery. It's all right there. Also, I was finding myself thinking, are we supposed to still not know as the viewer that Sidious and Palpatine are the same person? Because it's pretty clear. Yeah, I don't think that, I don't think that we, we're not supposed to know that. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's just I think that that's just how the emperor dresses. Okay. I'm I'm the brim, I'm the brim is pulled way down low. I'm legit disturbed by how clueless the Jedi's were. And then in the face of finding out about this clone army, they make the decision to tell no one. Tell nobody. And then agree they're like our power is getting weak. You're the Jedi council. You were you were important enough that you were the first call for a trade negotiation last movie. Right. Right. Well, let's go back to the beginning of the movie when there's like 11 Jedi sitting there in Palpatine's office and not one of them senses any dark side. They can't feel it. They can't, they can't feel, feel, it. feel it. Yet later on, when Yoda walks in and he's talking to Dooku, what does he say to him? The dark side I sense in you. So like Dooku can't mask it. Like yeah. Dooku can't mask his... His Drakkar Noir dark side, but, but the actual Emperor can. But the Emperor can, yeah, because he's like the most powerful. I, yeah, it. There, yeah, and if it's gonna be a thing where like he can mask it, well, like then 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 give us some some of that. Like t- you know, it, it's it's it, there's so much that these movies leave to off screen. They leave to go and figure it out later. I mean, when we get to the next trilogy, like that's what all we're going to be talking about. Oh, it's how much extra homework we have. You just have so much homework and you have so many things that you need to do. And there's so much wasted time in these movies where you could be doing it. That whole scene with Count Dooku, he says like 11 interesting things, but he doesn't finish a sentence. (laughs) You know, he's like... Oh, oh my God, Obi-Wan, I can't believe you're here. Actually, Obi-Wan, let me tell you, the situation is bad. You know, there's a Dark Lord of the Sith controlling the Senate. Oh, no, Qui-Gon and I were buddies. Stop, stop, shut up for one second. Let's go back to when you just walked in and like, let's let's investigate that. Like, let's talk about that. So many wasted opportunities to work with the great greatest actors that he had. You know, it's, it's, just, it's just maddening. It's bizarre. Maddening. It's bizarre. We got to talk about Shmi. Okay, so, so you know that in, in, in extended material, Dooku was the one who hired the Sand People to do that. You got to put it in the movie. You got to put it in the movie. You got to put it in the movie. Um, I think the biggest, most disturbing thing is that she was waiting to die until he found her. 
She is now complete. What is this timing? This is 10 years. She's been out there for a month, right? Her, her husband says it's been about 30 days or a month. And she's just been getting the shit kicked out of her. Who knows what else has been happening to her. But yeah, as soon as Anakin comes, uh, and, and lightsaber's the first tent. So like Anakin can feel people around, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's I, I just don't even know what I don't even know what to say. And, and, and then we have this wonderful moment where the, the music starts to swell. Right. And like, again, John Williams, great job. Oh, yeah. So good. So good. So good. And then he comes out and he just wastes away an entire sand people. Right. So we haven't seen anything from him that shows that he's like violent or like prone to rage. Right. But now when it's convenient for the movie and the plot to move forward, he's just going to be like full of rage and like becomes a killer. I I think that that is again, another wasted opportunity to show us some fucking conflict. It's so strange. It's, it's completely unearned. It's unearned. That's a great word. He went. And the thing that doesn't make sense is he went and he does all of these things, right? Things, 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 things. And he has his nightmare. He makes the choice to go to Tatooine. Padme comes with him. Super inappropriate. We are not following orders. We are going rogue. We are doing our thing. Right. His mother is dead. They find out that Obi-Wan is in trouble. He, he wants no part of it. And he's like, I have orders. Since when the fuck do you follow orders? Right. And it's just like, it's again, Lucas, buddy, you don't have to manufacture that conflict. We understand. obi Obi-Wan is not a good teacher. Anakin is not a good student. They love each other. There's conflict between them. You don't need to keep beating us over the head with it. Tell us who Count Dooku is. Oh, oh Tell yeah. Us why he's there. You know, tell us something else. Stop wasting our fucking time. Okay. And get this, get this. You ready for this shit? Because this shit fucked me up too. So they have this whole factory fight sequence, right? Ugh. Where like Padme gets stuck in a big smelting thing because in the future we smelt like we did in the Roaring Twenties still. Yeah, it's the Industrial Revolution. Yeah, of course it looks like that. Uh, so she's stuck in this pot. Yeah. And we have this whole thing, and it gets so exciting to break the tension. Anakin has to say, "Not again! Obi Wan's gonna kill me. Obi Wan's gonna kill me. You don't fucking care about Obi Wan." You don't, you don't, you weren't no. even going to show up. You know, you were just going to, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. But we're going to call back to the earlier part of the movie when Obi-Wan says, this weapon is your life, you know? And it's like, actually, no, Obi-Wan. I think it was Obi-Wan Kenobi who said there are often alternatives to fighting. Oh my gosh. And just, and just looking at that whole thing, I just want to know why that factory looks like the same factory uh, that they created the orcs in Mount Doom. Uh, yeah, maybe because Christopher Lee was in the movie, so we got to just uh, go there. Lee, no, Lee, I don't get it, Andrew. That whole sequence and three PO and R two getting involved and and what the fuck? Why in a droid foundry on a planet full of bugs where there is not a single astromech droid is there an R two port? Doesn't make any sense. None of it makes any sense. C three PO, his head gets on a clone body. That's not how robotics work. Or or his head gets on a clone body and then he goes into war and he can't help but shoot. So 
Is it the body controlling the head or the head controlling the body? It doesn't make sense. Or droid. I, sorry, I misspoke. One of our 17 listeners will complain. About? It's a droid, not a clone. It is a droid. Sorry, yeah. You did say clone, but that's okay. No. It doesn't matter. Last, last time I said uh, Jedi and I meant to say Empire. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, the monster, I don't remember the actual beast's name, but conveniently gives Padme a crop top. Yeah, he, that moment is there to make her sexier. It's weird. That's the only reason it's there. It's weird. To make Natalie it's, Portman sexier. You didn't think that was possible, and it happened. Well, also, uh, you know, I, I really did, when after seeing that whole sequence, uh, I did kind of want to give Ryan Johnson a little bit more credit for Leia's Mary Poppins moment, because apparently, sometimes, Jedi can fly. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's not really flying, though. You're talking about Sam Jackson? Talking about Mace Windu? No, I'm talking about uh, when Anakin and Obi-Wan jumped. Levitate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, levitating and, and jumping really high and, and flying through space are two different things that we will discuss at a later date. Ironically, and I don't know if it's true irony, but we are sort of like talking about this moment and talking about like the ugness of it. Mm-hmm. It's actually in this scene where this movie picks up for me. Absolutely. Well, the right. whole thing turns around. I do not understand how Mace Windu manages to sneak up on Dooku. That also doesn't make sense because are, are Dooku's force senses not sharp? Like, how well, does earlier, he. Earlier, Andrew, he walked right past Obi Wan. He can't sense a Jedi chilling in yeah, the corner. He has no idea. Um, also, uh, while it does get a lot more interesting and more exciting, they're going to use this army that they found out about 10 minutes ago that they didn't commission. Yeah, no, we just, because Yoda went there to see the cloners and he was like, Oh, these guys look great. I, I'm going to take them now. If we're good with that. Yeah, no, the timing, the, uh, the timeline of it all, it's got a very um, game of Thrones season eight factor Ooh, to it. You said it, you know? Yeah, no, it doesn't make sense chronologically or time space continually at all. But the Yoda Dooku fight is baller. The Yoda Dooku fight is is awesome. All of those Jedi in the arena. It's great. It's fantastic. Uh, and then even, you know, as much as I'm sort of, there's a lot of things I have to say negatively about our first, uh, really our second ground war in Star Wars. Uh, I do like the clones taking on the droid army. I like the, I like the ground battle aspect as well. Um, and I, and I like, I like Anakin and Obi-Wan with Dooku before Yoda. I, I, I appreciate it. Uh, there's just a little bit of, you know, I really would have loved to see all three of those guys go, go after Dooku. Dooku. There's so many more things I would have loved to see from this yeah. movie. And, and it does start to coalesce in the arena it is funny. Um, Padme, crafty little one, manages to get out of her chains, and that's really cool. There's a lot of cool stuff that happens, but it only happens because movie. None, none of the two hours have led us to this point, effectively no. or efficiently. No. Just stuff has happened, and we're here. And then right here is the thing that kind of ties to what you know about the universe the best. But everything before that is so bizarre and does not connect to the movie prior. No, and you know we got to talk about like Django Fett is is a huge part of this film, but once we get to Geonosis, for, why is he going to Geonosis? Like, what, I mean, what is what is he there? Is he still on the payroll? 
I don't know why he's there. They already have his genetic material. They've got him, right? He live he- there. He, maybe he's raising Boba. He's raising Boba among them for some reason because he doesn't want reason. their involvement in his... For some reason. Now, here's the thing. George put Django Fett and Boba Fett in this movie for the fans. Absolutely. There's you know, no... For, it's for fan service. Uh, and I get it. But also, like, I don't get it because the, the Kevin Owens said, we like to keep him here. And then he leaves, but now he's like part of the the separatist army. I, I, it's it's all very, it's all very just, you know. Wow. It's yikes. Words. And then there's a wedding. There is a wedding, and we do. And I do like the last bit with the Imperial March and Bail Organa's subtle little fist pound. Uh, and then the wedding, like you said, um, and we end the same way that Empire ends with two people and the droids looking out. And that scenery, man, uh, that Naboo scenery looks great. It's is special. Um, but there's just, there was just a lot, and there's still a lot, there's just a lot to be desired from a Legit. I could go on and on, but we should take a break. Let's take a break. You know, Andrew, as much as doing these episodes takes away from my video game time, I do really enjoy talking to you. I enjoy talking to you too, CJ. But you know what's missing? I wish there was a way for us to communicate with our 17 listeners. Oh, what if they were to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Icon or Ycon? That's a fantastic start. And you know what else they should do? They should take a minute to subscribe to us on all of their favorite podcast apps. Well, what are those iconic apps? I mean, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. Amazon Music, do they like bring it to your door? No, they do not. Oh, okay, good. Back to the show. And we're back. Ah, CJ, I'm, I'm ready to turn this conversation into a, I don't know, something a little bit more esoteric, something maybe ephemeral. It's time for ephemeral questions with Andrew and CJ. Let's get to it. <laughs> I wasn't expecting the melody change. I was like, where is this going? You had me on the edge of my seat. You had me on the edge of my seat in a way that this movie did not. That's right. That's right. I just gave you across the stars ephemeral questions introduction. Beautiful work. There was no other excitement to generate. Bra to the vo, bro. Brovo. That'd be a brovo moment. It's a brovo. Nice, nice. All right, CJ. (laughs) What worked for you about this movie? What worked for me was the production design. Oh my god, they did such amazing work right from the start with the pan up and coruscant. The the, the 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 ships coming in ben burt again like just making it making it real making all those sounds making making the the universe sound like the universe is supposed to sound uh we got naboo again we go back to naboo and as as, as painful as those scenes were uh where they took place was fantastic some of it was digital some of it was on location in italy but i think it was just fantastic uh like you mentioned earlier with with camino you know, the, the setting there, uh, going back to Tatooine, uh, one of the best shots in this whole film was when he was, when Anakin was talking to the Jawas and when he was riding the speeder, that Tatooine sunset, we go to Geonosis, which is such a strange and interesting world. Uh, and then coming back to Coruscant with, with Dooku coming in and, you know, going to meet, 
uh, Palpatine and that seedy part of town. I just thought that the uh, the production designers, uh, you know, the the practical stuff plus the the CGI, uh, where the CGI super failed was in the Jedi Temple. Uh, all of that stuff looked so fake and so bad. Um, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna duck, deduct points for that. I'm gonna say the production design was something that really really worked for me. Uh, how about you, Andrew? What worked for you? Do you know it's funny? I'm so happy you said production design because I'm looking at my notes and I actually had production design as well because the the script was lacking, but what was beautiful was really, really, really quite beautiful. Yeah, the script um, was bantha fodder. Let's not yes, it was. Punch it here. <laughs> but the look was great. Uh, I'm going to add two more to your list. When Obi-Wan is chasing Django. From, well, even like the fight, the fight before on Camino, or once we get to Geonosis? I would say the fight before on Camino into the space chase. Yeah. It's beautiful. It is. It's beautiful. And at the very end of the film, that long shot of the clone army. Oh, yeah. With oh, the it's Imperial March playing. Oh, no, it's stunning. There's some really, there's some really, really big wins. And also, I, I, I've heard people complain that the sequence with Yoda in the space helicopter with the clone army talking to them and commanding them. I've, I've heard the criticism that that looks like a video game cutscene. Yeah. And sure, if we look at it through today's eyes with what we've seen, it does look like a video game cutscene. But well, if you take was it... No, there wasn't a single actor in a clone trooper army. Every single clone trooper was digital. Yeah, it was fully digital. Also, that's the first time anyone had done that, right? Again, if, George Lucas, is he's, he's a visionary man. We he really, changed the game. We really have to give that credit because how I feel about that script is very real. It wasn't a strong script and it, it, was, it was a weak script that was executed poorly, but he did show us things that we had never seen before in a way that the sequel trilogy with all of its technology and all of its money doesn't do. They don't show us anything brand new like what he gave us in Attack of the Clones. He shows us things that filmgoers had never seen before. And I think that's spectacular. I hate the diner sequence. I think it's so silly, it's also fucking gorgeous. Oh, absolutely. With this Thank fucking you. like droid Alice just being like, what do you want, honey? It's ridiculous, but it looks yeah, incredible. Honey, Jedi by the looks of him. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I'm going to give you a sport analogy, okay? Michael Jordan, mm -hmm. Derek Jeter, mm -hmm. Tom Brady, Sidney Crosby. Okay, those are four names that mean absolutely nothing to you. Nothing. Those are four athletes that I fucking hate. Why? Because they're so good, mm -hmm. right? We sit on this, this podcast and we, for the last two episodes, have sort of like shat on George a little bit <laughs> because, because he's so brilliant. He is brilliant. Because, because the thing that he has created for us, Star Wars, okay, it touches us and it affects us in such an ephemeral way. You know, it, it, gets, it gets deep inside of us. Oh, pause. but it does and, and, and it, it gets there and it lives there and you know it's like we said it in in during a new hope it's like these are kids movies right so when c-3po is on that battlefield in geonosis dropping all those ridiculous puns and just acting a fool like it's for the kids right and we sit here and we pick it apart and we get so upset but at the end of the day like you said george constantly tries to give us something new and that's like the beauty of it is that he made the original trilogy and then he comes into the prequels and he's like well i'm not just going to remake the original trilogy 
he tried to give us something new and he gets an A plus 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 for effort. You know, even really though this does. Movie, even though this movie falls short in so many ways, what he tried to do was give us the backstory of Anakin Skywalker. He, he, he didn't he didn't really do it that well. Like you said, the the the, the turn to the dark side, it, it's not earned, right? Like we don't we don't see enough of it. And yeah. and we miss there are certain parts missing. Like when he's hacking all those Tuscans and we hear Qui-Gon saying, Anakin, Anakin, why? Why, George? Tell us why. Tell us why. But it's okay that you don't because you're George fucking Lucas and you created Star Wars and you changed so many people's lives, you know, for the better. And you changed the movie industry like nine times. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's wild what he created. It's just not a good movie. It's just not a good movie. You know, but he does achieve some really, really strong heights. And, and it's, it's things that you see get, it's technology that gets utilized from that moment on. It's design elements that you see get cribbed and copied in any sort of space fantasy. Yep. Space uh, opera. Space, space opera. opera. Space opera. Uh, no, he, he achieved something major. Yep. Warts and all. No what, question. What didn't work for you? The fact that this is a story and it's the middle part of the transition from, of Anakin Skywalker to Darth Vader, it doesn't work for me because I don't, like you said, it's not earned. And I get a performance from an actor who is not being directed properly. There's not enough conflict. You're watching this movie and, and I don't know about you, but like when I watch this movie, I'm thinking of Luke and Vader on Endor before we go to the Death Star. You know, I can feel the conflict in you, Father. We have one moment in this thing, one little moment where he says, I'm a Jedi. I'm, I know that I'm better than this. It's after he, you know, I slaughtered them like animals. He, we see this conflict. I need more conflict because I just can't, we're in the middle now. You know what I mean? Like we're supposed to be nearing the, 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 the top of his transition to Darth Vader, his top of the transition to the dark side. And it just, it just doesn't work for me. You know, it would be great. Like if he's full of that rage when his mom dies and like, doesn't do anything about it. Right. So that it builds. And then he has to make a decision because he doesn't have to make a decision in that mm. moment. It's just like, mom is dead. And now I'm pissed because John Williams told me that I'm upset you know, with the music and he comes out and he slaughters them. And then he's like, he feels a little bit bad about it. But in the next scene, like we talked about, there he is being like, Obi-Wan's a bitch. And I'm just told to stay here. It's like, so he's like a bitchy little kid. He throws one big tantrum where he kills a bunch of people. And then he's back to being a bitchy little kid. Like when he gets into the hangar with Dooku and Obi-Wan's like, all right, Anakin, let's chill. And we'll take him to, I'm going to take him now. It's like, we, he hasn't grown. He hasn't changed. You know, and he's not supposed to grow for the better. He's supposed to grow more dark. And it just doesn't happen. And it, it, it's the whole point of the fucking movie, and it doesn't work for me. That's really, really, that's really, really beautifully put. I want to comment on what you just said, though, because you said some really awesome things. And uh, I, I, I think there's something special about how deeply you went into how unearned his character arc is. There's a, there's a trap that writers fall into where in trying to make sure something is clear, they make it obvious. 
So mm. like, that's where you get situations like, you can tell a writer doesn't know what a strong woman looks like because you can see by context, this woman is supposed to be strong, but all the dialogue and all the entrances, she's just mean, right? And yeah. a lot of times you see it in musicals a lot, that strong woman gets written as mean. Or funny. Or right. funny, yeah. yeah. And like, I think in this case, he really wanted to telegraph that Anakin is erratic and his emotions are uncontrollable. He was trying to go back to what Yoda feared about him, what, what Yoda's concerns were. Sure. That all of this stuff is boiling in him and he's a little bit too erratic. What, in trying to make it so obvious that he is so extremely erratic, what he succeeded in doing was creating someone that's inconsistent totally inconsistent because none of his reactions are his his reactions are so polar and they're so unearned all i know is that i cannot trust anakin at all yeah and he's not in control of his emotions and you know like nothing he doesn't do anything except for slaughtering the tuscan raiders everything just happens to him Right? Oh, like yeah, happens, yeah. It just happens to most of the characters in this movie. Oh, yeah. And, and then they have Yoda. opinions about that. They have opinions about events. Exactly. And you talk about Yoda sensing the fear in him. Well, he senses the fear in him when he's missing his mom, but he can't sense the fact that he wants to bone Padme. And he just sort of like puts them in that situation together. You know, or you can tell me the Emperor was manipulating it all you want, but they're the ones that said, yeah, that's a great idea, Palps. Let's do that. Well, yeah. and I'm glad, I'm so glad you brought that up because that ties directly into my what didn't work. What didn't work for me is Secret Lovers, Secret Army. I've seen, at this point when this movie comes out, I've seen four Star Wars movies. Not only have I seen four Star Wars movies, I have 40 years of a relationship with them, right? At this sure. point. Say, say I was 10 when the first, when A New Hope came out, we can say that by the time Attack of the Clones come out, I have a 40-year relationship with this franchise. You and were not under- 10. I wasn't. I, I, a New Hope I, came out. I wasn't. I wasn't. So uh, the 17 listers know you're not, how old that, would that make you? Ancient. Make you older than me, Andrew. Yeah, and I old. wasn't 10. I'm just saying, say, say that I've been gifted with the opportunity to have seen all of these from the first one. Right. In the theater. And I go and I see on opening night, I go see Attack of the Clones and I watch this movie. There has been no groundwork laid to tell me that Anakin and Padme could ever get away with being secret lovers, yet we devote a lot of screen time to exploring that possibility. There's no groundwork laid that a Jedi that I have never met has off panel, maybe commissioned an army, maybe deleted some records that are important and nobody felt it there's been no groundwork laid that the jedi could become this weak all of a sudden it's it's wild and i'll tell you andrew there's a rumor out there that sifo dias was a typo what that sifo dias was sidious and there was a typo and they saw it and they said actually that's a better idea you know, you talked about the onset changes on Empire. No, when you say that Sidious is the one that did it, Sidious has to be the one that does it. You can't just switch it up because of a typo. That actually makes sense if it's Sidious. It sure does. It sure does. It makes not- a lot more sense and something that I'm going to buy. And every time I watched the movie that when it first came out, I always thought it was Sidious. Yeah. I never thought it was an actual Jedi named Sifo Diaz. See, and the only reason I thought it was Sifo Diaz was because they made such a point of like, 
calling him by name and being like, oh, well, he died 10 years ago. Right. It's, it's a trap that they all fell into, you know, not a trap, but a trap. Thank you, Admiral Akbar. It makes, it makes no sense. And so that's, that's, that's the, the big beef I have with it, that like plot wise, the things that get the most screen time are the things that make the least sense. Make the least sense. I need the most explaining and, I'm, and I'm, now I've fallen asleep. I know. It's so bad. No. Uh, does this film, dare I ask, make your desert island top five? Uh, no, it, it, does, <laughs> it doesn't make my desert island top five. Um, I'm, I'm glad that it exists only because it created one of my favorite animated series, The Clone Wars. A lot you of people watch, love that. I you watch The it. Clone Wars, man, and it makes these things better. It fills in the holes. It, it gives you a, a sense of, you know, what was actually going on in the galaxy after this. And like you, then you watch this thing or you know that this movie exists and you know these storylines and, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, great. I can see like how we ended up here now, you know? Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's definitely not, it's not coming on my island. Does it come on the Isle de Soto? It does not make it on Isle de Soto at all. Uh, honestly, I regret the three hours I spent watching this movie. <laughs> Four hours, if you count the Zoom call that I took with two friends that I guess was somewhere in the middle of act two. It's so unintelligible, the form of this movie. I'll, yeah. tell, you, I'll tell you when it happened. It happened at the end of the Space Noir section. Okay. It happened when we got out of Blade Runner. Gotcha, yeah. <laughs> I reference. said it. Great reference, yeah. Yeah. It's 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 tough, man. You know, and, and and like I was talking about earlier, like he really he wanted to make the love story, you know, Dr. Zhivago. He wanted to show us uh fascism and how that that can come, but it's it's just there's just too much and he didn't rely enough on Star Wars. Listen, there's a ton of cool ideas. He just needed Larry Kasdan to make some snappy dialogue out of it. He needed somebody there to say, George, I'm gonna just take this and I'm gonna make it just a little better. Yeah, it's 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 why those punch ups at Empire. You know, it's funny. Uh, the the story, the rumor about Empire goes that uh, Lawrence Kasdan wrote the screenplay, Irvin mm-hmm. Kershner directed it, and the studio was unhappy with Irvin Kershner's cut. So George Lucas came in and recut Kershner's cut, and it was worse. Ooh. But they liked how he shaped the story, so they made a reshoot schedule to thread. Lucas's recut. Uh-huh. And that's why Empire works because it was actually vetted by an entire team in the spirit of furthering what his vision was. So they didn't like the director's cut. They thought it was they thought it was too silly and heady at the same time. They didn't think it was Star Warsy enough. George Lucas recut it to his liking and they said it was worse. But they're like, but we can see where you're going. And if we schedule and write the reshoots around what you're trying to say to us, we make Empire Strikes Back. And that just didn't happen with this movie. We weren't afforded that luxury because he just did everything. And good on him for wanting to do everything. It's his fucking universe. But you can tell there's no editing eye at all. No. No, no, no. It's, uh, yeah. Oof. It's tough. It's 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 cut together weirdly. There are times where you think you're 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 one place, and then there's a swipe, and you think you're you're still in that place, and you're in a totally different place. It's just damn. 
It doesn't make any sense. And a lot of YouTube videos will tell you that the first cut of A New Hope didn't make sense either. And that was everyone's complaint. I know. And there was, uh, there was the lady, yep. Mrs. Lucas. She Mrs. really George. made it happen for him. Uh, what is a possible foreseeable plot hole that stuck out to you in this movie? There's a bunch. There's a bunch. Um, there's a bunch. The biggest one for me is the uh, weapon tech. Okay. Like I said, I love the ground battle, but there was some shit being fired, you know, 30 years before the battle, 20 years before the Battle of Yavin that just wouldn't, it's, it's too far advanced. It's, you know, there's missiles flying. There's the, the, the walkers are like much more, you know, much smarter, much more technologically advanced. It's, it's something where you just look at it and you're like, oh, he had a bunch of toys that he wanted to play with, but these, it doesn't make sense in the universe. It doesn't because it's creating a situation where 17 years from now, everything will be shittier. Everything will be like a little shittier. And I get it. You want to talk about like, well, during, you know, uh, war, like everything kind of sucks, except for the people that are doing the war. Because yeah. that's why they're doing the war. You know, all that money, the reason that everybody's lives sucks is because all the money is being put into the tech. It's what arms races are. Absolutely. You know, and you've got these lasers that just stick out and like stay as opposed to, to blasters. And, and, you know, that's it's, it's always stuck out to me and, and always been something that that bothers me. The other plot hole is uh, Homer Simpson is in this movie. <laughs> I love that you texted me that. I was like, what? <laughs> oh. Yeah, one of the very first uh, gunners in the Battle of Geonosis when they're saving the Jedi in the arena. If you look, you'll look into the cockpit and it's Homer fucking Simpson. So weird. So that's a plot hole. Uh, your plot holes? Owen doesn't remember C-3PO when we get to A New Hope. Owen doesn't remember C-3PO. That's, <laughs> like, that's the problem. Like, how is that even possible? Where there was no, there was legit zero reason to include Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. Yeah, you didn't need it. So you put them in there and... I would, Ask him if he speaks bocce. Ask him if he remembers you. That's the question that she should have asked in A New Hope. Yeah. Also, let's talk about this. It was probably Uncle Owen that finished him. He probably did, right? Because it wasn't that. It, it wasn't, wasn't that. Cleag. Cleag, yeah, right? Yeah, no. Cleo, Cleag. Yeah. Cleag. Yeah, yeah, it, it wasn't him. Up. Certainly wasn't him. No, it wasn't at Baru. She's busy with the blue milk and cheese. Uh, also, he really made sure we saw that blue milk and cheese. The blue milk was prevalent. And the speeder, Luke's speeder was in the background in that scene. And also that was a T-16 Skyhopper that Luke used to drop bombs on wombats or no, what was he? I used to drop, what did he drop on, on in Beggar's Canyon? Uh, I don't remember. Womp Rats. Was it Womp Rats? I think it's Womp, womp rats. rats. yeah. Anyway, yeah. We're, yeah, we're going to get to the bigger plot hole of Owen and Brew and, and, and old Ben. Uh, in Revenge of the Sith, but that's that's a great one, Andrew. Yeah, you, I, I actually never even thought about that. Like, why doesn't he remember C-3PO? He clearly, he introduces himself as C-3PO. Yeah, yeah, no, it's the same guy, yeah. It's the same guy, holy crap, yeah. Yeah, he, he wouldn't, he should have been like, my droid! <laughs> yeah, you're back, brah! Yeah, the one that the fucking Jedi stole. He's totally stolen. Yeah. And no right to that droid. Like, no. that droid, because Shmi was sold to Clegg, Cleo, whatever his name is. yeah. Th that belongs to that family. Yeah. Like, the, he, yeah, and, and Anakin just takes him. Yeah, why? Because oh, he made him? Yeah, but like years ago. He yeah. didn't finish him. Fuck. It's so weird. What's so, your special award? Well, 
Episode two, Attack of the Clones, gets the Savage Garden Award for dialogue. <laughs> for one scene in particular, and I've, I've pulled it up for you. Oh, God. I think our lives are about to be destroyed anyway. My love for you is a puzzle, Annie, for which I have no answers. I can't control it, and now I don't care. I truly, deeply love you. She does say that. And I she thought says, about the song, too. I thought about the song as soon as she said it. I truly, deeply love you. Like a chicka cherry cola. Like a <laughs> fucking cherry cola, man. <laughs> it's so bad. I think that bit in the middle got cut. I think she just says, her life's about to be destroyed anywhere, anyway, and I truly, deeply love you. But I wanted to read that bit in the middle because that's also shitty because... <laughs> My love for you is a puzzle, Annie, for which I have no answers. Um, do you answer puzzles? Or do you Cro put puzzles together? Crossword puzzles? Right? Crossword puzzles have answers? Yeah, but with a puzzle, you know, if you want to use the puzzle, my love for you, my love for you is a puzzle that I can't quite piece together. That's okay. better. Yeah, yeah, that's better. It's still shitty, yeah, but it's, it's better. But, but that's a punch-up, yeah. Yeah, but the Savage Garden Award for dialogue oh, goes to... Attack of the Clones. I am waiting with bated breath for your special award. My special award is the Toxic Love Award. What the silence that you just heard, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> was uh, me trying to avoid a spit take. <laughs> uh, talk to me about the Toxic Love Award. Uh, these relationships are poisonous. You have, uh, let's go down the list. You no. got Obi-Wan and Anakin. Doomed from the start. Doomed from the start. They're not getting along. This is not going well. No, 10 years. It's been, it's yeah. been, it's been awkward probably for 10 years, yeah. Yeah, this is, this is not going well. And that witty banter in the speeder in, in Blade Runner tells you all of that. <laughs> that, that that relationship is terrible. And yeah. then let's go Anakin and Padme. Um, he kind of gaslights her into a relationship. He gaslights her. It's creepy. Uh, she she's just as uh, uh, fallible. No, she's just as she's just as responsible as he is for it being you know as awful as it is. But yeah, he you know and and who's to say he's not using Jedi mind tricks on her? It's there's no there's no telling there's yeah. there's no telling you know. And then we can really really extrapolate this toxic love award into the other relationships. Uh, Mace Windu and Yoda. Yeah, it's not good. It's, it's, not, it's good. not They're not on the same page. They're not on the same page. They're only on the same page with keeping things from the Jedi Council, which seems like a mistake. Yeah, or from the Senate. Or right? from the Senate, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's them. Dooku Sidious, very toxic relationship, and we'll see that manifest in the next film. That's, that's about to get ugly, yeah. Uh, Jar Jar and everybody. Jar Jar and everybody. And, and dare I say, Django and Boba. Django and Boba. You were raising a clone as your own son, but he's kind of your sidekick, kind of your accomplice. Like he definitely tells him to go like cover up his assassin gear. Yeah, hide, shut the door, uh, get the ship ready, you know, shoot the Jedi. Yeah, it's not, it's not a responsible, it's not responsible parenting. It's leading, it's leading someone down a, a very dark path that may or may not end in a pit. Yeah. So because there is zero representation of some sort of healthy relationship in this film, right. uh, 
Attack of the Clones gets the Toxic Love Award. Love that. Not toxically either. Like I am fully healthy relationship on board with that. I appreciate that about you. So CJ, mm-hmm. final question. Mm-hmm. Is this film... Here it is. At last. Is this film an icon or a Y-con? A case can be made for both. A case can be made for both. Uh, unfortunately for the saga, uh, they're both negative. So it, it is iconic. This is an iconic film. This is the one film that we all agree on. You know, my, there's a special award out there for the unification of East and West Germany award. Mm-hmm. This one brought the fans together, man. We all hate this one. Yeah, it sucks. You know, uh, there, there's, there's maybe a few people out there who have good feelings that they want to talk about with this one. But for the most part, this movie is, is, an, is iconic in how, how poorly it was received and uh, that people just don't like it. It's always number nine in the countdown. It's always number nine, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's a Y-Con for us. I think for Icon or Y-Con, this is absolutely not you know, the kind of thing that we're looking for that stands the test of time, that has all of the things that we want to have in it. Um, so I'm going to say uh, Y-Con. You? I agree with you, CJ, with everything you said. It is an absolute Y-Con. It is iconic, but all for negative things. Right. Uh, it does have some stunning special effects achievements. Sure. But it, it really, it, if, if the mission is to see if it stands the test of time, I absolutely hated this film more than the first time I saw it when I hated it. Yeah. It's yeah. not good. And it needed to be, it needed to be part of episode one and it needed to be different. And it just, he just wanted to do too much. And I just wanted the 30 minutes of story that were relevant to what I came to see. That's right. Padme and Anakin, there was such, there was such a better way to get there and how, Literally any other way than you did, yeah, would have been better. So what he's asking us to do is get on board with this soap opera, rapidly accelerated love story, right away with some real cutting room floor Dawson's Creek level dialogue. Yeah, and he doesn't. There's no way that that woman who is five, six years older than him would enter a sexual relationship with him, given the way that he's acting. She's just smarter than that. She's much smarter. She's than a that. fucking queen senator. She's a senator queen. Fucking I shit. I don't buy it. Yeah, I never did. Mm-hmm. I just thought Natalie Portman was beautiful. Still is. All right. Well, this was great. I'm so happy we did this. A very important film. We made it to the end of it. We had a lot of feelings. Lots and, of feelings. Uh, yeah. And but we're, uh, we're better for coming out the other side of it. We sure are stronger, if you will, with the force and and the voting. And the voting. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm Andrew David Sotomayor. I'm CJ LaRoche. This has been Icon or YCon, and we'll see you next time. Hey.